Hey legends, I'm Eliza Lee and you're listening to The Making of an Incredible MD, the podcast for aspiring medical professionals. Each week, we'll bring in a current MD student and a practicing physician to talk about an important topic in the medical field. From the effects of climate change to the influence of social media on our health, we'll uncover a maze of different perspectives and end each episode with an ethical dilemma for us all to consider. Stay tuned as we literally hear the making of these incredible MDs unfold right before our ears. So today at Hallard, we had a lot of our aspiring med students have their GAMSAT results come back and it really highlighted to us with the conversations that we were having to some of our students that everyone has their own timeline and everyone has their own journey into med. And in particular today, we wanted to highlight on episode 11 with someone who did enter med at more of a mature age and it really was for the betterment. So here on episode 11, we have Gabby interviewing Tess from what you might know her YouTube channel as the Tess Files. Tess, or also known as Tess Files. Um, welcome to the Halide to Health podcast or Making of an Incredible MD podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you going? Very well, thank you. We've just come off a long conversation um, that will be available on Tess's YouTube. But to just start us off, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Tess, as much as that question is very broad. Tell us about your life pre-med and then now and sort of your journey going into medicine. Sure. I feel like I could talk for 30 years. So Gabby, feel free to just like stop me or wave at me if you want me to. <laughs> um, yeah. So hi, everybody. My name is Tess. I'm 31 years old and I'm currently a second year medical student at the University of Sydney. I have a bit of a, I guess, off the beaten track path to medicine um, where I grew up in country Victoria, was a country kid, um, went through high school and graduated pretty early, graduated when I was 17 and sort of took a gap year and then went straight on to an undergraduate physio degree in Aubrey. And I was very lucky and very privileged to do that degree. And I was very keen to be a sports physio. And I remember sitting in my physio class um, in the first couple of days and them telling us that in the four year degree, we would probably be spending a lot of our time in hospitals, not sort of out on sporting fields, like relocating shoulders and things. And I was really disappointed. I remember turning to my friends and saying, oh no, I, I don't want to go into a hospital. I don't like hospitals. I don't like sick people. This is going to be a really tough degree for me. And it was, I fainted on every clinical placement. I had the roughest time physically trying to get through the degree. But what I loved most about physio was that I got to speak to people all day and I got to contribute to their lives. So I graduated um, four years later, went out into the world and started working. And I worked in um, quite a few big hospitals. I started first for a year here in Sydney and then went down to Melbourne and worked for seven additional years down in Melbourne in one of the big uh, tertiary hospitals there and loved my time as a physio. But within the first year or so out of uni, I started to sort of have this little niggle when I was on the wards and I would be treating my patients and the doctors would come around on their ward round and they'd, you know, kindly ask me if they could interrupt my session. And instead of sort of stepping aside like other physios would, I would then go away afterwards and sort of Google everything that they were talking about and I would read their notes like insatiably, like consume them. And I just started to feel, it's really strange to say it now, but kind of jealous watching these doctors. And it was particularly female doctors. I would be really jealous of them. 
And I took me a little while to work this out, probably like three years to realize that that jealousy feeling was actually because I wanted to do what they were doing. And so I was really lucky in that somebody who never even wanted to go into a hospital for fear of fainting over the side of blood ended up working in huge hospitals, ended up working in ICUs all over the country, and then ended up coming to medical school. And I started medical school when I was 29 years old. So that's sort of where I'm at now. Wow. That's an incredible story. I was saying it to you just before. You don't hear that too often. You know, lots of the time students just go straight from high school, undergrad, med, or they just go straight into med after high school. So I think it's really great to hear a story like this. How are you so brave? You know, you had a well-established career. Um, You know, you were going quite well in that. And then you had to make the jump into student life, which... I think we get stuck in our heads that our careers should be linear and, you know, Mm. step up the ladder, you make your way up. And that's definitely traditionally what careers were, but now it's changing a little bit. So how did you get the the courage to make that jump? Yeah, it's really funny because this is a question I get asked all the time. And my answer is I was not brave. I was terrified and I'm still terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that that, like, particularly for our generation, like we're modeled by our parents that you, you do, you start your job, you work, you buy a house, you have the kids and you know the the dogs and all of those sorts of things and you just go along life in that way and so for me I really really struggled with that decision and I had almost like a midlife you know everybody these days has a midlife crisis at 25 I definitely had one of those because I felt like I'd put in so much time and so much effort into this physio degree and I had an extremely flourishing career I was really good at my job and I didn't go to work hating my job every day I went to work loving my job every day and feeling like I was contributing and so it was really challenging for me to do to look inwards and be like okay but I could go for this and I could fail and that would be really really embarrassing but it's not embarrassing if you just actually put yourself out there and it was funny because I it actually wasn't easy for me to get into med school so I tried for three years in a row and during those times I actually didn't tell any of my colleagues that I was applying to medical school so I sort of was like um, leading this alternate life where I would be working all day from eight to five and then I would come home and I would be cramming for the GAMSAT and I would come to work on a Monday super fatigued and tired after studying all weekend and everyone would be like oh what did you do on the weekend and I'd be like oh not much just really I was uh, like at home just like cramming knowledge into my brain and even when I came up for my interview it luckily fell on one of my ADO days off work and um, I'd flown up to Sydney done an interview went home and I was too I guess embarrassed to tell people that I had gone for an interview for medical school because I was so worried that if I didn't get in I'd have to tell them and I think looking back on that I wish that I hope that anybody who's listening to this podcast um, hopefully doesn't have to go through that and doesn't have to feel that embarrassment because your life is just your life and we're not in a race and it's not about competing with other people and it's not about doing what your parents did or what your best friend does. It's about living your life and, um, yeah, you've just got to do that and I don't know. I think one of the quotes that I hear all the time is, you know, your life's going to go by anyway. Like you might as well spend that time doing something that you enjoy. And so I think that using that motto um, and really pushing myself forward, even though I've been terrified, has been how I've been able to sort of get to where I am today. But no, it hasn't been glamorous and it hasn't been easy. (laughs) I think that's really great advice Um, and something really inspiring as well for even if someone has taken that linear path to always sort of 
look inwards um, and check that this is what you want to do and not be afraid to take a different leap if if that's what you feel like you should be doing. And in saying that, I think self-reflection is something at Halad that we really talk about a lot throughout our courses. Do you have any advice for any students that might be sort of looking at, you know, changing their career paths or whether it's medicine related or not that you wish someone told you back then? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important to speak to people. I think something that I did early on was that I kept it all to myself. And I think that that just allows it to just manifest and build up inside you. But actually it's, nobody's going to judge you if you say to your colleague, or it could just be a friend or a family member, like, Hey, I'm not too sure about this. I was thinking about something else. And me too. Like I've also been having, you know, uh, been unsure about something in my life and it doesn't always have to be career. It could be relationships or hobbies or anything. And so I think the best thing that you could do would be to talk about it with people and, and keep an open mind. And I guess knowing what your unique coping strategies are and I think that's really important because we all go through difficult times differently so if you like to journal or you like to speak to people or you like to exercise and or do yoga or meditate so knowing what your coping strategies are and really spending that time to to go through and look inwards and don't judge yourself for it because it's so much more common than you would believe everybody particularly in their mid-20s and 30s is doubting themselves for something so you're not alone Mm, yeah Mm. absolutely I think that's really great advice um, and something to learn before medicine, I think, as well. Because um, once you get in, you need those coping strategies. <laughs> oh, absolutely, more than ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how is your, this is more for me, I think, this question, but how has your learning style sort of changed from your undergrad degree to when you had your career, which I am assuming you would have learned on the job quite a bit, to now in medicine? Oh, that is such a good question. Uh, it has changed so much and that was a real shock to me. So, you know, to get into, like anybody who goes into one of these sort of degrees, whether it's medicine or physio straight out of high school, you get that high enter score and you are just usually a rote learner if you've got those sort of that sort of a score. And that's what I was. I was just had this mammoth memory and was able to just rote learn everything. I had no idea how to problem solve, like couldn't do maths to save myself. If it was like, if the um, question was written in words and not in numbers, I had no idea that it was even math. So like couldn't problem solve, really impractical person. Um, And I struggled when I went through my physio degree because they would always be saying to me, oh, yeah, you know all of the facts, but you've got no idea about clinical reasoning, like how do you apply this to the patient? And I worked really hard for a really long time to do that. And so when I found out that I got into medicine, I was like, great, I am so good at rote learning. I'm just going to shovel that information in my in my brain. That'll be easy. Oh my gosh. I mean, medicine's never easy. That was just a mistake to even think that to begin with. But it turns out that these days I'm a very, I am, I'm a very practical learner. I learn now by doing things. So the way that I've kind of done it over my physio degree is that I would watch someone do something once and then I would do it myself. And then I would sort of reflect on that practice. And I think, you know, that's really good reflective practice for any health professional or anybody in um, any job really. And so now coming to med school, I really struggled. My first exam was so challenging. I didn't realize the detail that was required from med. And I was like, you know, you, you watch all these lectures and there's, you know, they say it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant, all of the knowledge you need in medicine. And it's so true. I was, I was like, oh, they won't like possibly want me to know all of these facts, but they actually do. (laughs) And so I've really had to work very hard and reflect and I had to get a lot of help and I had to, it really was a humbling experience. I had to really look at what I was doing and ask around and watched a lot of YouTube videos and, and all of those things. And now I swear by Anki, I love, of osmosis, but all of those things did not come naturally, but any med student listening will definitely know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we're 
actually starting our next season of the podcast is all about, you know, prepping for medicine, because I think that's one of the hardest things. You sort of think, how am I going to take in all of this information? Mm. And lots of med students, type A personalities, they wanted to figure it out before getting into med, but you don't. You figure it out once you're in there. Um, But I think that's really great advice coming from you being very well sort of um, educated in many different areas, being able to really figure out what works for you and seeing you figure that out as you go, I think is really comforting. It's comforting for me. So hopefully it'll be comforting for other students as well. You'll all get there. It'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of segues into what we do at Halad. But did you want to tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel and sort of what your goals are with that? Yeah, definitely. So when I found out I got into med school, I was, I'd never watched YouTube in my life, actually. I was not really onto that whole train, but I was really hungry for information for other people like me. I was like, oh, what is med school going to be like? It's sort of like what you were saying, like, how do I learn in med school? How, how do I make friends in med school? How do I move to a different city? All of these things. And there was nothing out there for me. And a lot of the people that I was coming across when I was Googling were these like American and Canadian YouTubers. And I was like completely devouring their channels. Like there was no tomorrow and realizing that their experience was probably going to be very different to mine. And mm-hmm. so it was sort of one of those things where I didn't think too much about it, but I just started recording how I was getting ready for med school. And I just called it the test files and I put it on YouTube and I didn't really expect anybody to watch it, uh, except maybe my parents for when I came up to Sydney so they could make sure that I was alive and, you know, (laughs) managing to survive in med school. But I think when I started the channel, it was really to show other people that changing careers and giving up, you know, a flourishing career or feeling like you're in your twenties and not knowing what direction you're in is totally, totally normal. And I wanted to show other people that don't stay in what you're doing because you're scared, like be brave and make decisions because they're the decisions that you want to make and you're being true to yourself. And I wanted to show people that it was totally possible to give up a career and move across the country and totally possible to start med school or anything else when you're nearly 30. And so I guess that's why I made the channel. And it's been really incredible, I guess, connecting with so many people who message me all the time saying that, you know, watching my channel has helped them to make a decision. And it isn't always about medical school. It could be about lots of different life changes. So I feel really privileged that I get to sort of have those conversations with really awesome, intelligent people all of the time. So yeah, that's my YouTube channel. I think that's great. I totally agree with you. There is often sort of a lack of resources. So the fact that you were brave enough to go out there and be like, I'm going to be the resource, I think is really cool. And I think I can talk to many people and say, thank you for that (laughs) because people love it and it really does help people. And in saying that, what do you think can be done better in this sort of med field, pre-med field to increase the accessibility um, for a diverse range of students, you know, not the typical students coming straight from high school, but but opening the doors to more students. I think that is such, I mean, it's the million dollar question. And I think that, you know, there's so many layers to how people get into medical school. But I think now that we're turning more towards this postgraduate pathway rather than an undergraduate pathway, I think that the universities really have a responsibility when they're thinking about their selection criteria to think, okay, we're not just catering to that one group of person who's come out of a a biomed or a science degree and has the knowledge to sit the gamsat and to do well at it. We're seeing it actually 
actually in the next few years, more of those rural programs are coming up, which is really exciting, like in Shepparton and, and Dubbo and Orange are, are getting all of these new med medical programs. And I think the government is really showing that they do value a more diverse type of person coming into medical school by committing to those programs. So that's really important. But also I think by actually um, educating people and saying, hey, you can come and do medical school as an older person and making the requirements for that. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go out there and say we should tear down the GAMSAT because I haven't got a different idea. I don't know how else they could do it. <laughs> but the GAMSAT, you know, is just one of those things where it's a difficult test, but all it is is just a divider. It doesn't represent your IQ. It doesn't represent anything else about you other than the fact that medical schools, it's so competitive to get in, they need to do something to, to separate all of us. And so the person that can come up with a different and more fair way to encourage more diverse students into the programs, I think would be, is a pretty smart person. So they need to work on that, I think, for sure. Absolutely. Mm. And that reminder about what the GAMSAT actually is, is a really good reminder um, because today, the day we're recording this, actually GAMSAT results are out for September. Yes. So mm. yes. So people at home listening to that, um, remember it isn't a judgment of your IQ or how good of a doctor you're going to be. Um, it is just that, a divider. And it's good mm. to hear that from you, Tess. Yeah, absolutely. I think there was definitely a couple of years where I got GAMSAT scores back that I was, you know, not happy with. And it it, it always feels really personal and you've, you've put in so much hard work and like sweat and tears most likely. You know, if you're feeling disappointed today, I think my biggest advice would be to take that time and allow yourself to be disappointed. And then if it's something that you really want, just get back up and, and have another go because people just do this so many times and they still get in and they still make fabulous doctors. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, that is such good advice and I hope everyone hears that today definitely <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us today I've learned a lot from you and I'm sure lots of our listeners today have as well but if they want to hear more from you where can they go to find uh, all of your content yeah oh well thank you for having me it's been an absolute pleasure I've really enjoyed chatting to you um, so yeah my channel you can go onto YouTube and just search the test files and it will come up um, and I also have a written blog so just the testfiles.com if you want to have a if you're more interested in written blog content and you can have a bit of a look at my videos on there as well. Perfect. Thank you for that. We'll link that all in the show notes below as well. Thank you for joining us today and we'll talk with you soon, I'm sure. Sounds fabulous. Thanks so much, guys. See ya. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us, Tess. I know for Gabby and for everyone on the team, we absolutely learned so much from you and from all the students and from all the walks of life that come through our courses. It is an absolute reminder that diversity is such an important part of the med community and to contribute to that, trying to make those psychological barriers to entry and making it a really inclusive class environment as well as some those financial barriers of entry and making GAMSAT and med tuition courses really affordable is the way that we hopefully can contribute to making that diversity possible in the future. Thank you so much to all of our listeners who have also supported us throughout this whole entire year. It's been absolutely incredible to have you come along with us on this journey. And this summer, we'll be back with a whole new season we can't wait to announce. We'll catch you then.